Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk into a Major. My name is Jamal, and I'm a Buddhist. I'm Jacob. I'm a Christian. And it's the 25th of December, so apparently that means we've gone all ASMD. <laughs> ASMD ASMR? Sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Same but different. I, uh, I didn't know ASMD was a thing. Apparently it's called ASMR. I thought you were across that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is the 25th of December, It's Jamal. true. And Merry Christmas to you. M- M- Merry Buddhamus to you, Jacob. Um, and look, in, in the true spirit of Buddhamus, um, we, we have a podcast episode for you today that, um, that you know, is, is taking the traditional, you know, Christmas special idea and just, um, just playing around with it a little bit. Traditional Buddhist special of which we've recorded one. We've decided that's a tradition. Hey, look, all traditions have to start somewhere. This is true. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Silent Night was written because there was a flood that damaged the organ and they needed something they could play on guitar? Oh, really? Yeah. It so just, it was played on guitar the first time? It was played on guitar the first time, some point in the 19th century. So are you saying that Silent Night was the original Wonderwall? Yes, <laughs> that song. is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> that that w- w- when everyone is is you know you know you know that scene in the Barbie movie where where they're just like being a being a dude bro with a guitar, but if it's the Christmas Barbie movie, it's it's Silent Night <laughs> on a guitar. Uh, I love it, but Silent Night is not what we're here to discuss, Jamal. What are we here to discuss? We're here to discuss a a different Christmas song, um, and probably um. One of my favorite Christmas songs. I, so one of I, mine as well. Actually, yeah. I, I will start. I'll, I'll start this podcast with a little bit of a story, uh, which you know, to the shock horror of probably nobody, I don't love Christmas songs all that much. <laughs> um, I pretty much outright refuse to sing them in choirs that I'm in. Is is that because of the Christmas songy nature of them, or is this your relationship with Christmas? No, I I, I think it's the Christmas songy nature of yeah. them. It's it's just the fundamental. Uh, the, I, the fundamental pain it gives me. I worked in retail for a good 10 years of my life, so I'm somewhat familiar with this. It took years of recovery to be okay with Christmas songs. Yeah, and, and, and not only did I work in um, in hospital over Christmas uh, many, for many years, but I also, for a few years, sung in a Christmas choir that uh, was... It I the, feel like you brought this upon I, I, Well, look, I, I was 15 and getting paid. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it was, um, you know, singing on the steps of crown casino in melbourne and it was just you know you you do that every day for a few months for a couple of years and it's it's just pretty um it it gets pretty inane after a while but this is not that kind of christmas it's not song shall we allow it to introduce itself we we should it is this is a good christmas song i'm looking forward to christmas it's sentimental, I know, but I just really like it. So what is good about this piece of Christmas music? This is Tim Minchin's White Wine in the Sun. I mean, the first thing that's good about it is it's by Tim Minchin, which just sure. automatically just makes things better. Um, I, I'm very sorry, uh, Mariah Carey. I'm very sorry, <laughs> I'm Wham. not at all sorry, uh, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Tim Minchin may be a better songwriter than you. I, I, I apologize. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, so this to me is, uh, in the realm of w- what I kind of want to dub 
Australian Christmas classics, and and I think there's so a- up there with Rolf Harris's Six Flight <laughs> Boomers. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so no, there, there, there is a growing. Um, there's a growing kind of genre of Australian Christmas classics, I think. And and I, I, I'm interested to unpack a little bit why we think this happens in Australia uniquely. But the, the other song that falls into this category that I'm thinking of is um, How to Make Gravy by, by Paul mm-hmm. Kelly. Um, and so I, I think there's a, there's a way that some Christmas songs are done which kind of deliberately don't play up the Christmassiness of it but do try and capture the sentiment of what christmas might mean or kind of the the emotions around christmas that that i think are are really interesting and and worthwhile looking at and i think this is a this is a perfect example of that yes absolutely yeah um so you know i yeah i i really like this song i think it does a really good job of uh being both funny and also sentimental and also kind of capturing that that mood of Christmas, whilst also taking the piss out of it a little bit. Um, I'm like, and, and it, do, you, do you like this a, song? Like, I, I, do like this I do song? like this song. I was playing the song this afternoon just to kind of like you know refresh myself, get in the podcasting mindset. Um, and my wife yelled out from the other room, "Excellent choice of music!" Like it's a it it's a, a, there are lyrics that I disagree with in this song, it won't surprise you. I imagine that there's probably some that you would not share the same sentiment in exactly the way that Tim Minchin has it here. But he's kind of like, it's Marbo, it's Survive. He's captured something of the feeling of an Australian Christmas in some ways. And I mean, particularly in this case, and that that feeling you have when you're away from Christmas and christmas is not like what it should feel like so just a a sidebar i've got um an american friend in canberra who i think her first christmas away from america last was last year and it just felt so weird for her because there was no snow there was none of the like none of the usual christmasy things were there um and i think he captures something of that homesickness here and and given how much australians tend to travel um well i I was gonna say i think i think part of my kind of you know emerging theory of australian christmas classics is that you know yeah christmas is fundamentally something different in australia than it is in the northern hemisphere right absolutely so you know i think there's the intersection of christmas being uh in summer which is the the obvious one where Mm -hmm. but also yeah christmas being a time where people go on summer holidays where people are you know they they are fundamentally on holiday, relaxing, um, and not just for Christmas. I, I would add that you know I think the the week between Christmas and New Year in Australia is one of the the busiest holiday, like you know, going off camping. And, for and example, Australia or, stops know. for Christmas in a way that the Northern Hemisphere doesn't like. As in right. the Northern Hemisphere stops for maybe a week ish. We stop for like a month. Yeah, like all of January it's is our, effectively... It's our summer break, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I think... So I think there's something in that and there's something in the kind of the unique way in which we stop for Christmas in Australia. Um, but also I think there's a... Like there, there are adjacent things that go with the way that Christmas is done in Australia that I think lend itself to a different vibe. I think the vibe is a really good example, right? Because like I think one of the reasons why... Australian Christmas songs or good Australian Christmas songs aren't as, you know, similar to other Christmas songs. I mean, for one, they're not as carolly, 
right? Like, <laughs> and, and, and maybe that's the distinction, right, for me, is I really don't like carols. I, I don't mind Christmas songs. and But th- even Mariah Carey is, like, almost carol. It, it is almost carol, yeah. but that's the vibe, right? And I think you need that vibe. If Christmas for you is it's freezing cold outside, you're stuck inside, and you're trying to, like, raise the spirits, you know... Um, caroling is a really good way to to do that it's a good way to bring that communication you you could not imagine sleigh bells under this it just wouldn't work no and maybe ironically you could imagine sleigh bells under it well and and that's an another just kind of strange thing maybe maybe about kind of this song in particular but actually how to make gravy falls into this category as well in that it's um melancholy yeah rather than forced cheery which, right. like, if you think of a lot of, you know, the, the big what's going to be the number one in Christmas in the UK that happens every year for reasons, generally there's a real forced cheer to right. a whole bunch of that. And that's completely the, the opposite. Well, and, the and, and again, if we, if we go back to the vibe of the thing, right? Yeah, mm. in the middle of winter when it's dark for 18 hours of the day, you need some forced cheer, right? You, you need some kind of very deliberative, we're all going to be happy now because otherwise we're all going to, want to kill ourselves um but like but but i think in australia i think the melancholy comes in because because of the vibe of stopping and the vibe of rest and the vibe of it's almost the opposite it's so hot you just want to lie there and kind of Mm -hmm. just do nothing i think christmas is reflective in australia in a way that it really isn't in the northern hemisphere and so that brings us kind of into the song dare we discuss it oh yes um (laughs) because that little thing we're doing part of the there's there's a vibe going on there but there's also a self-aware reflectiveness in it. And I'm, I want to suggest that that is part of the Southern Hemisphere Christmasiness as well that you're talking about. I've got this particular part in mind. And yes, I have all of the usual objections to consumerism. To the commercialization of an ancient religion To the westernization of a dead Palestinian press Ganged into selling playstations and beer But I still really like it Right, and you're right, that is deeply reflective And I think that's, you know, that is one of the the most kind of direct on-the-nose criticisms you can make about Christmas, right? Which is that yeah. it's it's a religious thing that had some spirituality and now is just all consumerism. And, you know, Minchin, in, you know, it, it, again, he's getting away with it because he's Tim Minchin as well. <laughs> but but he is getting away with, you know, on in the fifth or sixth line of the song, just going, this is why everyone hates Christmas. Yes. And... But, you know, it's kind of nice. And, like, I, I, I like that, that kind of juxtaposition of, you know, he's talking about... I accept all of the things that people don't like about Christmas, um, but I can still have a there's something a about, about it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, and I do think that that is probably somewhat easier from our vantage point because so many of the traditional Christmas things just don't work right in Australia with the heat and the everything else that we're talking about. And there's an interesting just little side note on that, which is there's a probably. 40, 50-year-old tradition, it might be older now, of kind of Australianizing the Christmas story yeah. and having like um, Outback Jesus was yeah, a yeah. big thing when I was a kid, right? Like, And putting the, you know, having, um, having squatters and shearers 
come and visit the baby Jesus in the manger, in the pub out back, like retelling the story in a way that makes sense in the Australian cultural context, which you just like it is because it's already so different from Europe that you then go, okay, well, how, how do we actually tell this in a way that makes sense here? Right, and, and I think that's so, so. One of the lyrics I, and the title of the song that I actually think is super subtle, but actually really grounds that is is the title. It's White Wine in the Sun, right? Which you know, which I think on the face of it is almost completely antithetical to the concept of the Christmasiness of things. You know, um, White Wine in the Sun is very much a it, it it's it's mentioned saying this is a different thing. That, that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking about a different kind of Christmas. I'm talking about a summer Christmas. I'm talking about all these kind of things. And he's, but he's saying it without having to say it. He's, he's you know, he's not having to go, oh, yeah, well, Jesus is in a shearing shed. He's, <laughs> he's able to just say what he wants to say. And the, the only real reference to this is Australia is he's placing it in a place where white wine in the sun is an appropriate thing to drink. I'll be seeing my dad. My brother and sisters, my gran and my mum, they'll be drinking white wine in the sun. I'll be seeing and that whole reference to the white wine in the sun is kind of working against another Christmas trope, which is the the awkward uncle and the aunt who always goes for the kiss on the lips and all that, like all of these right, Christmassy yeah. it, tropes. It, it, the, the idea that Christmas is a difficult time to have to manage, right? Yeah, and, and the, the difficulty in managing Christmas is family. Like he's explicitly rejecting the, um, the religious overtones, like I'm not expecting a visit from Jesus. But the thing that really matters about Christmas and the thing that he's looking forward to is that white wine in the sun, that just relaxing with nothing to do, nowhere to be, and being with family. And, of course, family is are so much more lovely to look forward to if you've not seen them for the best part of a couple of years. Well, and I wonder, too, whether whether maybe what he's doing here is he's actually making a cultural Christmas song. So he's, he's you know, he's quite, I think that's 100% what he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah. quite deliberately, you know, th- if you think about the kind of the beats of the song, it's I reject the religion but I like Christmas culturally. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of the message here, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, Tim, I, I would prefer to have dinner with Desmond Tutu than Dawkins, but I do understand <laughs> that the only reason you're picking on Desmond Tutu is to allow you to say the words Tutu Tutu. <laughs> so I, 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 I get that lyrically. But, you know, um, but, you know he, he also, you know, he gets freaked out by churches. He, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, the, some of the, the melodies of the hymns are nice, but I, I don't like any of the lyrics. Um the, the second verse where he's, you know, um, I have all the usual objections to the miseducation of children who in tax-exempt institutions are taught to externalize blame and feel ashamed and to judge things as plain right and wrong. But I quite like the songs. Mm. You know, and, and yeah, it, it's... it. I, I wonder too whether because this is a very soft and sentimental song, like he can land those really quite hard-hitting criticisms of Christianity... And still, you know, pull this off as a this is a really pleasant Christmas song. Like, I wonder if this song was at all I, upbeat. I think it would... that's. I think that's just because he's Tim Minchin. Mm. Like he he sings upbeatly. F the mother, F and Pope. Right. Yeah. Like okay. That's a, that. This is this is his shtick, and that you know, 
I mentioned before that I don't agree with all of the lyrics of this song, right? Like, and and that would be some of it. And, and there's classic Tim Minchin overreach there, in, in my view. But also, I I think he is tapping into something about I don't know if it's Christmas in general in the West or particularly in Australia. Like we've talked quite a lot in the last couple of months. Um, around the idea of cultural appropriation and what is religious practice, what is cultural practice, where do the two meet, who has permission to do what, like drinking white wine in the sun is obviously not a particularly Christian religious tradition. I mean, not at all as far as I'm aware, but Christmas totally is. And and there's, there's aspects of the... I don't know the, the where Christmas comes from, I guess, or the the people who might claim to own Christmas practice, like namely being the churches, which is you know he says I get freaked out by that, and some of the lyrics are dodgy, but actually I I also I like Christmas in my own way, regardless of how you know the Catholic Church, for instance, or or any church for Tim Minchin tells me I should like Christmas. I like the white wine in the sun bit. So here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, there are other Christmas songs, and they're more Northern Hemisphere carolly songs. You know, yeah, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything ever sung by Michael Bublé. Um, like, they, they're all, they feel different. And I think we've discussed why some of the situationalness of them feels different. But I, they are also, though, not religious, yeah. right? All I Want for Christmas yep. Is You is really... It's a love song that's about Jesus. Christmas, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's not all I want for Christmas is you, God. It's yeah. it's you, my romantic interest. Um, and like, so I guess my question for you is, what is the difference between this song as a cultural Christmas song and that song as a cultural Christmas song? Right? Like, like it's you know, I think I, we can totally see the difference between religious and non-religious songs about Christmas. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, like. The love song version, the the poppy love song Christmassy thing, mm. has been trying to do that since the sixties. In terms mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of mainstreaming Christmas outside of a religious context. So, like, why is what Minchin is doing here so different? And I guess, you know, at least in my opinion, it lands a lot better. Well, I think part of it is that he is actually engaging with Christmas as a thing like all I want for Christmas is you just to pick on Mariah Carey because you, you you cannot pick on Mariah Carey because we've all heard far too much of that over the last month or two um, but she like she's not thinking about like well what is Christmas about what do I value about Christmas what's right. important there and and we, we keep coming back to it so how to make gravy is just doing the same thing of like what's actually important here and what do I care about it and that contributes in a sense, to the melancholy um, that kind of, yeah, the, those overtones that sit within the song, it, as opposed to just... He, he doesn't make the assumption that Christmas is good. And in fact, the, the whole song, in some ways, is a protest against Christmas as a thing, but consistently coming back to this note, but but I do like it. Yeah. Like, well, and, and actually to take that, I think all of the pop lovey Christmas songs, I think are essentially pop songs that are just Christmas themed. Yeah, right? like, absolutely. If, if, if absolutely. You, if, you, if you, if you change Mariah Carey's lyric to 
I don't know. All I want, uh, all I want in my life is you, mm-hmm. right? It could be a pop yeah. song. It, it could just yeah. be a standard Mariah Carey song, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah, so there, there doesn't, you know, it's just that they've happened to pick Christmas themes to probably sell a lot of records. Yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, I think you're right. This is literally like Bill Nye in Love Actually, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, and 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 I, and I think you're right. I think like what what Minchin is doing here and what Kelly does in um, How to Make Gravy is to actually think about like I don't think those songs work as non Christmas songs. Yeah, right. Like like the 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 song here is it's actually about exploring what Christmas is rather than about just trying to you know sing a sing a song that's catchy that has the word Christmas and reindeer in it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, there is one bit of this song that I don't like, and like, well, actually, no. I, okay. I like the bit of the song. I think it doesn't do that thing we just spoke about. I think it, I think it breaks it out of being a real Christmas song, and I, it, it, you know, I get why he's doing it, and also musically because you need a bridge that's something <laughs> different. But also, like, I feel like it does. It doesn't sit with the rest of the song as this kind of Christmas classic. Um, and, and and it's 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 the bridge bit where he talks about his his baby girl. I knew my baby girl, my jet lagged infant daughter. You'll be handed round the room like a puppy at a primary school. Just a magnificent lyric. <laughs> it, it is, but 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 I do think that it does. I don't know. It, it pulls it away from what the rest of the song is doing. You reckon? Because I reckon this is these are the people who make you feel safe in this world. My sweet blue-eyed girl. I reckon that that is exactly what the song is doing. Wherever you are and whatever you face. These are the people who make you feel safe in this world. So, the, so, so you, that bit, my brother and sister, my dad and my mum, like that's the the point of the song. Yes, and and I think thematically, yes, it does do that. I just think lyrically, it almost it it almost situates it a little bit too much. That it it makes it too specific in a way that you can't that that it's harder to, I think, empathize with. So for the rest of the song, Minchin is the narrator, right? Yeah. He's, he's, and, and what he's giving voice to is everything that, you know, the 30% of Australians who don't actually believe in Jesus but do, you know, celebrate Christmas kind of feel, right? And so he's taking this position of the audience and he's he is giving voice to this kind of broad criticism but still kind of sentimental positiveness around Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And then he brings in his daughter, which I get from his perspective, absolutely. But I think you immediately lose anybody who doesn't have a kid, right? Like you immediately lose from that kind of view of I am singing with your voice, that it it becomes a little bit too specific that if you don't have that experience of flying across the world with a kid to visit your family, it it just suddenly can't feel it. As someone without a kid... I, I disagree with that take, actually, okay. because I've been at the extended family gatherings where it's the the first Christmas of my cousin's kids or my nephew or whatever, and and there's something about just 
especially in this context of the other side of the world, that nobody, the, the extended family has not yet met this child. And there's just such a, a it, it's a, for me anyway, it's a Christmassy thing. And there's such a, a warmth there. And that goes exactly to what I think Tim Minchin is saying is the real point of Christmas is seeing your family and drinking white wine in the sun without a care in the world. And part of that is a new baby being handed around to everyone because grandma's only ever seen them on Zoom. Right, I, I get that. And, all right, actually, here's maybe an, an emotional take on sure. this, which is that maybe when I hear this song, I feel like for most of the song, Minchin's talking to me, right? Yeah. Um, Minchin's going, you know, hey. He's voicing something that you're yeah. feeling. And, yeah. and you feel like the song is being sung to you. Mm-hmm. And then he brings in this verse and you realize the song's not being sung to you, <laughs> that it's being sung to somebody else. Yeah. And I think there's something jarring about that, but... I will. I will give. I will give you this. Maybe that's also the point, right? Maybe part of the the layered message here is that you know Christmas isn't about you. It's about other people, <laughs> right? It, it, it's about family or whatever else, right? But but I think there's a moment, you know, where for the rest of yeah, you know, for, for every bit of the song up to that point, you feel like he's speaking to you, and then you realize he's not speaking to you, and I think that feels a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I, I can see that. I've I've got another question for you about um about a different part of the song. I'm I'm wondering like just how you respond to lyrics like this. I don't go in for ancient wisdom. I don't believe just cuz ideas are tenacious it means that they're worthy. Um how do I feel about that bit? I mean, like, I, 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 I do get it, and I get the point. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it's an articulation of a kind of atheist perspective on the world, right? That you know, because I, you know, that the he's valuing ideas based on their arguments rather than their, you know, oh yeah, historicity. No, I, I, I totally get that, and maybe it's just me kind of reacting to classic Minchin overreach, where he voices that by saying, "I don't go in for ancient, ancient wisdom," um, because just like on the contrary, just because something is tenacious and ancient doesn't by default mean that it's unworthy. Right, but 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 I think maybe he's criticizing the whole concept of ancient wisdom, right? That like the word ancient wisdom kind of implies that something is wise because it is ancient. Oh, and, and, yeah. And okay. So 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 I, th- I think what he's saying there is I don't go in for ancient wisdom. He's not saying I reject every idea that comes from a religion. He's saying that the concept of ancient wisdom, the idea that like you know, well, you know, we have to believe this because it's been around forever. Yeah, like, the, he, the ancientness of an idea yeah. is not a defense of its truth value. Right. And, yeah. and so, so I think what he's saying is I, I don't go in for the idea that, you know, we should do traditions or believe things yep. just because they're old. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I, again, I'm not sure Minchin would accept any of the religious arguments you might make, <laughs> uh, any of the, the ones you might deem more worthy. But you know, I, I'm, I'm just like I'm, I'm asking you as a Buddhist, right? Whose you know faith is older than Christianity in that sense? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I guess it's interesting, right? Because I think I don't inherently or, or ancient wisdom, if not faith. Yeah, right. But I, I don't inherently see Buddhism as that ancient, even though it is. Um, <laughs> well, and, but I think part of that is that Buddhism is still very much a living religion and living in a sense that I think is probably 
more so than something like Christianity in the sense that our our holy people are still alive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like in, in Buddhism, sure, you have the Buddha, but like, you know, there's the Buddha is on equal par with every enlightened monk who's alive today. Um, maybe a little bit more special in that, you know, he went and founded a religion about it and kind mm-hmm. of, you know, opened up the door to other people. But, you know, there is a, there's an interesting tradition in Buddhism in, uh, in temples where they will have the Buddha statue, but then they will also have buddha statue-esque statues of previous enlightened teachers of that Mm -hmm. of that tradition so there is this kind of state and on the same altar like sitting next to the buddha right and they actually often have a string that uh that runs from the buddha buddha's hand to their hand and like this kind of like so it's kind of like an ancestry sort of yeah yeah Um, passing right but 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 the the sense there is that you know that the Buddha absolutely is holy and venerated, but so are these people. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I I don't quite. I mean, obviously Buddhism has been around for a very long time, but I I I don't feel so put off by the kind of rejection of ancient wisdom because I look at it and go, sure, like that makes sense. And you know, in the Buddhist suttas, the Buddha very much says, "Don't just believe things because I say <laughs> it. Go and find out whether they're a good yeah. argument for yourself." It's a, you know, Buddhism deals with that pretty directly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Is there is there any part of the song you don't like, Jacob? Are you are you just all in on are you just all in on Tim Minchin having a crack at having a crack at Christianity? Well, I don't. Yeah, I I don't know that he's especially having a crack at Christianity per se. Like I, I don't. There, there's nothing in this song, as opposed to other songs in the Tim Minchin canon, that says you're an idiot if you think that the real meaning of of Christmas is Jesus and all of that stuff. He's just saying, for me, that's not it. And and he's actually, I think, more honest um, in some respects in this song than in some of his other anti-religion more generally or Christianity in particular songs because... He admits the emotional side of it, and it's an, emotion, yeah. it's an emotional song. That's what it's playing on. It's that that melancholy and that um, like the wistfulness of it. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, and but so he says, I get freaked out by churches. Like not just I rationally disagree with what is happening in churches, but something in there like just makes me feel weird and, and jars with me on an emotional level. And I'm sure he would say that that's connected to the rational yeah. level in the way that he's thinking about it. And, and of course I have objections to Tim Minchin's framing of the usual objections to the miseducation <laughs> of children who in tax-exempt institutions are taught to externalise blame and to feel ashamed and to judge things as plain right and wrong. And, and this this is where I have these moments with Tim Minchin in particular, but like just with uh, things a lot of people say sometimes where I I hear that and I just, I don't recognize Christianity and I certainly don't recognize my own faith in what he's talking about there. Right. So um, I, can I, can I ask about that? Yeah. Because like, yeah, please. I, I can absolutely see why based on what I know of your faith, I, you don't recognize your own faith in that. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, from what I know of the Lutheran church and from your involvement in it, um, Externalizing blame, feeling ashamed, judging things as black and white, white and right and wrong is not the theology that you ascribe. It, it, it does happen in the Lutheran Church, like sure, it, yeah. It, it, 
I, I see the thing he recognises. I just, yeah. Well, well yeah, but, but I, I guess that's it, right? Like, I, I feel like certainly, even if you want to say that that's not your faith, certainly you can see that in Christianity and you can see that education, you know, particularly, I think you know, he's having a crack at Christian and Catholic schools here, right, in yeah. particular. Yeah. But, you know, um, certainly you can see that. Like, can you, you have to be able to see that even if you're not doing it and even if you believe that's unchristian to do that, then that still happens and that's still objectionable. Oh, and and yes, I agree with that. I don't know that it happens to the extent that maybe Tim Minchin would think it happened. And maybe that's just he's approaching it from one angle and I'm approaching it from another angle and, and he's more negative about the church than I am. And so that's colouring our our different views of it. But I guess the for for me part of the and and again this is pr- probably just the angles that we come at it from, but it it feels like it, it feels like Tim Minchin has never actually made the attempt to understand well why would somebody practice faith um, and to look at well, what are the what are the positive associations of this? Or, or and could we look at, you know, faith? Any any faith? You could do a similar thing with Islam, right? Well, Pe- people do this with you know, Islam and various violent and patriarchal things all the time, and go, yeah, but what is the good here? Yeah, okay. And, and so I, I can absolutely see that Tim Minchin, as an artist, probably has never made that attempt. I would say I don't think he has to make that attempt in this song because the kind of the conceit of the song is setting himself up kind of in opposition oh, totally. to the traditions of Christmas, totally. right? So yeah. I think, you know, having a pot shot at some of those things kind of helps the song land its message. Yes. So I think, you know, in some of his other works, I can absolutely see why Minchin, the criticism might be going, well, come on, mate, like actually. He, he, this, but. Um, he has a song that is called... Um, if you open your mind, if you open your mind too much, your brain falls out. Sure. Um, which just like, for me, this is sorry. I'm just going to bang on about no, Tim Minchin for a moment. Like for me, that's just a massive blind spot in Tim Minchin because his whole thing is you have to open your mind and you have to think rationally and you have like, and, and and yet there's this whole area where he he actively views it as dangerous to open your mind in a particular direction. Um, yeah, and, so and he, just, very... he does not. He's he's so self-aware and so culturally critiquey of the kind of left-wing atheist progressive movement of which he's a part, as much as anything else. And he just he seems to have this massive blind spot in that self-awareness. Well, that, he, that's my take. Uh, yeah, he, he's. I mean, Tim mentioned you know shows his hand here when he talks about breaking bread with Dawkins, right? Like, I yeah. mean, at the end of the day. I'm sorry, Richard Dawkins does not seem to be like a pleasant person to have dinner with. Like, as, as much as he'd be very interesting, like, you know, if the Dawkins-esque view of atheism is not one that I ascribe to or think is particularly healthy for the world. And, and I, should, I should stress, it's, that's not a particular critique of, of this song sure. especially. Um, but probably something worth worth saying just around the song is that Especially, especially if you take if if your experience of church is church at Christmas, um, and you know the the kids doing the nativity scenes and the whatever. Like I, I think this just again plays into 
a broader cultural milieu that doesn't really that that sees the institution and sees all of the crap that we know happens within the institutions and royal commissions and and this and that um and but that doesn't see the the faith For aspect sure. of it yeah. essentially and and that's that's not just tim minchin that's i mean even even as you said to an extent yes i i share the objections of where that happens um I just I wouldn't universalize the miseducation of children as like all Christian schools are miseducating children and sure yeah, yeah. um all right I, I want to finish us before we go to the bar today on um I I, I guess a it's a question about these kinds of songs because like I, mm-hmm. I I really like these songs right this yeah. and how to make gravy are my favorite Christmas songs uh I I actually reckon that where you know over the next ten to fifteen years you'll get a suite of songs from Australian artists that do this kind of thing really really well the problem with them. For, to, for the problem with them being enduring Christmas songs is you can't sing along to them. Like, like, <laughs> like, like they don't have that kind of you know that yeah. you know that carolly vibe or th- th- that ability to actually you know to actually you know be be kind of half drunk at Christmas and, and singing them. And so it's like, how do you? You don't reckon you could sing along to this? I think there's I, I, I bits, think, bits think and pieces, bits right? And pieces. Definitely you, you the chorus. Sing, yeah, you could sing bits, but you can't sing. You can't sing the whole song, right? Yeah. And you can't crack this out at a work Christmas party, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. a thing, and, and maybe Gravy is better at that, but no, only marginally. Not the yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess my question is, how do we take these songs and make them classics and make them enduring uh, when you lose that that ability when when because of the fundamental nature of them, they're not sing-along songs. Is this something that is also true of the Mariah Carey and Michael Bubble songs? Uh, I, I feel I, no. I, I feel like they're more because they're more pop songs. Like they okay. they have hooks. They have things you can sing along to a bit better. Yeah. Okay. Well, then the the answer I was going to give doesn't make any sense. Which is because the the thing with your more traditional Christmas carols. Um, like not just the Christmas ones, but something like the you know Wrexham Carol or, or yeah. that kind of thing, is that they're like they're designed for group singing. Like yeah. that's the purpose of them. Uh, and and so maybe to an extent, your your Michael Bublé and your Mariah Carey are also kind of designed to be sing along a bull. Yeah. Well, um, and, 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 I mean, and and Australia actually to get to that, Australia does not have a culture of singing. Um, like in the UK, they still, I'm told, I've not seen it myself, but they still have men singing in pubs. Yeah. Like just blokes having a beer and a sing-along, which is just like, you'd get crucified if you tried that here. It just, it doesn't work with Australian culture for whatever reason. I think that's probably a bad thing, but I, there's no changing it. All right. So A, I'm going to bring you along to Spooky Men's Chorale and... Uh, pub choir at some point okay sure uh and b yes i think you're right um and you know and 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 i think it's a thing that is like and maybe that's it right maybe what maybe partially what makes them australian is that they're there to be listened to and kind of chuckled at rather than you know they're there to put on in the background and like i feel like you put this song on and I, well, I know, I know, it's becoming a tradition. Like, we, we, have you, have you ever sung at a family Christmas? Do I've never sung at a family Christmas? Do I, I mean, I, I have, like, but that's because I used to be a musician and used to 
do the entertainment for a bit. But you know, it, it's a different okay, thing. Okay, sure. Um, but I think one of the th- one of the traditions that's actually happening with how to make gravy, right, is the twenty first of December is becoming known as Gravy Day. Yeah. And like, it's a thing where everyone stops and listens to that song, and may- maybe that these become classics, but in a way that they're songs that people are at Christmas, and then this comes on, they stop. And they appreciate mm-hmm. and they listen to it and they think about it rather than sing along with it. Maybe that's just a more Australian way of doing it. And, and look, maybe if the singing along to it happens, I don't think it would happen with this song, but I could see a song in this genre being sung along to in the same way as Bohemian Rhapsody is sung right. along to, right? Bohemian Rhapsody is not a sing along withable song, yeah. and yet we all sing it. That's so. true. Um, speaking of singing, uh, this Christian and a Buddhist walked into a bar one day. No, you you get out of town. I know they, they did, and, and that day happened to be Christmas, um, and they saw a singer in in the bar, uh, and they, they were they were they were in um you know they were sat and listened to the singer in the bar, and they're like oh yeah, she, she's pretty good, good good singer in there, um and and then suddenly suddenly the singer's like clutched at her throat and was like oh stop being able to sing. And, and uh, I'm doing my shocked face for I know, the benefit right? of the listeners. And yeah. everyone was like, "Oh, like what happened? Like what's going on?" And the bartender was like, "Oh no, she's eaten too many Christmas decorations." And they're like, "Oh, okay. Like like what happened when she eats too many Christmas decorations?" <laughs> and why did? What, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. they were like, "Well, she now can't sing. She has tinselitis." Hey. Yeah. 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 That was the. Standard of joke that we've come to know <laughs> and love. I've opened my walking into a bar Christmas present and it has contained socks. And, <laughs> yes. and thank you, Joao, for keeping it real. <laughs> That's all right. As, as, as Tim Minchin says, right, uh, I'm not expecting big presents. <laughs> uh, the old combination of socks, jocks and chocolates and really horrific Christian Buddhist bar jokes is just fine by me. Well, clearly I'm still here. And you're still here, listeners. Yes. Um, so we've all survived. We have all survived. Thank you so much for listening to us this year. Uh, it's been a it's been a great year. It's a, our first full year of, of podcasting um, all year round. And I, I think it, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, me as well. We've cracked the 50 episode mark. We've cracked the 50 listener mark on many an episode, which it's is kind of, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, Kevin McLeod has cracked out the music for us and we love him for that we absolutely do now we're going to be taking a little bit of a break over january um at the time of recording we have not decided exactly how long that break is but we will you know we'll see you end of january early february when things start to happen again you'll get a note set notifications in your podcast feed and and then you'll be able to hear us again right and you should you should be subscribed already right so you so it'll just pop up right when there's another episode and and if you're not subscribed, maybe you should think about it. Merry Christmas. Wonderful New Year. See you next year. Bye. <laughs>